Here we go again. The euthanasia debate continues. Well, it's not much of a debate now. The law is expected to pass in the province of Quebec in a matter of days. The bill has gone through a few reincarnations and facelifts, but as it exists presently, it is expected to be passed. What would it mean? Well, it would allow doctors to give lethal injections to patients in the province who are suffering. What's interesting here is that euthanasia and assisted suicide is illegal under Canadian law, but because health is a provincial matter and Quebec pro-euthanasia activists have managed to convince legislators that euthanasia is a health issue, the matter could be settled in the province. I love that. The bill says that medical aid in dying is a part of end-of-life care, and so it can be passed under the province's Health Care Act. But is it legal? Canada's Euthanasia Prevention Coalition says the bill is imprecise and would give the right to Quebec doctors to kill their patients not only if they are suffering physically, but also if they are suffering psychologically, which, by the way, is why most people want to kill themselves, because they are depressed. The bill also does not limit euthanasia to terminally ill people. It merely states that people must be at the end of life but it doesn't define what or when end-of-life is. The bill would also allow third parties to make the request if the patient is physically incapable of doing so. And of course, once this type of law is accepted, history has proven that it's all downhill from there. In Belgium, they're euthanizing children. And it's the most vulnerable, the elderly and the disabled who have most to fear. The bill passed the committee stage in the legislature in October by a vote of 84 to 26. Quebec's College of Physicians officially supports the bill. Still, some 500 members have signed an anti-euthanasia manifesto. We know what the church says, but what do you think? Should killing be considered end-of-life care? I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. First of all, we have to announce our winners. It's been a while since we've given away prizes. And this week we have three. John Diaz of La Salle, Quebec. Joe Sales of Kitchener, Ontario. And Astrid Zanella of Guelph, Ontario. Congratulations, all three of you. John Diaz, you won a copy of Mark Mallet's Here You Are. Joe Sales, you won a copy of Sarah Kroger's Your Time. And Astrid Zanella, you are our grand prize winner. You've won three albums by L'Angelus, Love Don't Care, Sacred Hymns, and Ça C'est Bon. You should have these all in the mail very soon. And for the rest of you, if you want to win some prizes, all you have to do is enter our weekly draw. Just go to saltandlighttv.org radio, scroll down a bit, and look on the right side for where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes. All you need to do is enter your name and your email address, and every Saturday we draw a name or two, and you can see there also our previous winners uh, in case you missed it. Today, Alicia is back with our news and Andrew with our saint and our parenting expert Jillian Cantor returns to tell us what she learned from her kids this week. Uh, she's going to be here in about 15 minutes. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with author Dorothy Cummings McLean. Some of you will recognize her name from her column in the Catholic Register here in Canada. 
She has just had her first novel published, A Ceremony of Innocence, and so we'll be speaking with her about uh, Catholic fiction and about her book, and that's in about half an hour. And our featured band of the week is a new group from Middletown, New York, Full Armor Band. They're making great music, and so we'll talk to the group leader, Douglas Hutchings, at the end of the program. But first, let's begin with one of their songs. Here's Let Me So Love from their latest album, None the Same. That was Full Armor Band with Let Me So Love from their album None the Same. And we're going to be chatting with Douglas Hutchings from Full Armor Band in our second half hour. And in five minutes, Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. But first, Alicia is here with our news. I am here and it's a full week. Actually, Pope Francis is really busy this week. Um, so it, Monday kicked off eight days of meetings at the Vatican basically. Like, he's just blowing through everything. Right, because he's got the cardinals there. Exactly. They had the C8 meeting, which was extended from two days to three days, and they focused this time on the Vatican Bank and the economic and administrative structures of the Holy See. So the eight cardinals, plus the Pope, plus the Secretary of State, met with the commission that is studying the mission of the Vatican Bank, and they heard this commission's proposals. Basically, this commission was looking at what does the bank do? Does it fit the mission of the church today? We know that Mm -hmm. it did at one point, but what about today? Mm -hmm. And what areas need to be looked at and Mm -hmm. revisited? So they they looked at that. They met with the commission that is looking at all of the Holy See's kind of structural um, 
administrative and economic offices. So the patrimony of the Holy See, the um, the office that takes care of like labor relations stuff, all of that stuff. Hmm. And we found out that the the C eight cardinals actually submitted their proposals to Pope Francis about what they think should be done with the bank and the different economic offices, the money related offices of the Holy See. Now, okay. Father Federico Lombardi said. So those proposals are now in the Holy Father's hands. Mm, good. And Toronto's Cardinal Collins is part of that commission? He is now part of the Oversight Commission, kind of the steering committee the, that will that looks at the Vatican Bank, that guides the Vatican Bank. Mm-hmm. Although the last time we spoke to him, he didn't really understand too much what the job would entail. I think he's figuring he's, that out this week yeah, you know, he's in, there a, right in a now hurry. figuring it out, yeah. <laughs> So the next big thing on the docket this week was, of course, the consistory for the new cardinals, the 19 new cardinals that Pope Francis named. There's a lot around this consistory. So Mm -hmm. before the actual ceremony where the cardinals get their red hat and the ring and all of the symbols, um, the College of Cardinals meets for two days to discuss a specific topic. And this time, Pope Francis said that topic that we are going to discuss is the family. And he asked Cardinal Walter Casper to address the College of Cardinals on this topic. This raised a few eyebrows. Um, Cardinal Casper is from Germany, uh-huh. and when he was a bishop in Germany, he wrote a pastoral letter along with two other bishops. Mm-hmm. And they advised priests to go ahead and give communion to Catholics who were divorced and civilly remarried, but were convinced that their first marriage was invalid even if they hadn't received an official annulment. Mm-hmm. So this, that was a big deal, and it ended, up, it ended up getting drawn into a long debate with then-Cardinal Ratzinger at the CDF, and it was mm-hmm. a de- debate that basically took place um, in theological journals. Mm-hmm. One would write an article about the topic, and then the other one would rebut, and this, this mm-hmm. went on for a while. So this raised a lot of eyebrows that Cardinal Casper would... Um, be asked to talk about this but again father lombardi said remember that this is basically a safe place where these cardinals can discuss openly and honestly their thoughts Mm -hmm. on the topic Mm -hmm. there's no decisions being made there's no vote being taken this is just let's talk about what we're seeing and what each cardinal as an individual might think and what ideas might come out of that so it's some people are a little bit up in arms. No, but it's interesting because people think that it's a lot of these things are written in stone and that's it. But that's not how theologians, you know, they talk about these issues. And, exactly. And Ratzinger was one of the theologians who talked about a lot of these issues. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, too, that Cardinal Casper was not talking about a blanket um, open the doors to yes. all remarried Catholics, but those who truly believe that their first marriage was it's a invalid. Pastoral. It's, it's a pastoral issue. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. issue. Um, a few other things going on. Mm-hmm. So Pope Francis continued his catechesis session at the general audience. He focused on confession and actually said, when was the last time you went to confession? If you can't remember, go now. Nice. <laughs> but he followed this up saying, forget about the priest being there. You have to think of it as you're meeting Jesus. Mm-hmm. The priest is just kind of like the physical yeah. thing that's there. <laughs> he went even further and said, 
The priest is nicer than, uh, sorry, Jesus is nicer than the priest. Yeah, yeah, most of the time, yeah. (laughs) But what really made news was that right before the general audience, he met with 19 inmates from um, two prisons, one Uh in Pisa, one in um, an island close to a a Tuscan island there. It lasted 45 minutes, and he met with Mm. each inmate individually. And um, Cardinal now Cardinal Baldessari was there. He said it was it was a very moving experience. Hmm. Wow, beautiful. Yes. Good. I can talk more if you'd like. No, we're <laughs> out of time, more. Alicia. <laughs> yeah, that always happens. Um, thank you, Alicia. You're, you're our Vatican Connection. Um, Alicia Ambrosio is our Salt and Light Hour news producer. You can watch Alicia on Vatican Connections, her show, every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern on Salt and Light TV or on demand at saltandlighttv.org. And you can follow her on Twitter at Batty Connections. Hi, this is Sean Carney with 40 Days for Life, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Petro. You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Visit us there and stay connected with us for a chance to win weekly prizes. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Andrew, welcome back to the program. Deacon Pedro, how's it going? Very good, very good. Are we continuing with our uh, French-Canadian to be saints, or are you going <laughs> to give us no, a tease I, again? I think that we can continue with our French-Canadian, uh, hopefully soon to be saints. Okay, good. Uh, it was actually interesting because I was in Quebec City uh, a week today oh, on good. Saturday, and uh, I had the chance to actually see Quebec City uh, in her glory and in her splendor. And, and do so some research, yeah. history and significance there. Yes. So I would like to talk about Blessed Marie de l'Incarnation. Okay. She has a huge, huge impact on the life of Quebec City. Mm-hmm. So, Tell us. Um, her name is Marie Gouillard, mm-hmm. and uh, she was born in Tours, France, on October the 28th, 1599. Now, God would then go on to make her one of the great mystics of the Church, um, and she's known, she has a nickname, the Mother of the Canadian Church. Mm-hmm. So at the age of seven, she saw in a dream uh, Jesus coming toward her and asking her, do you want to belong to me? And she said yes right away. She didn't uh, hide her answer. She um, said a free and ardent yes. Um, So at 17, her parents um, gave her in marriage to uh, a man by the name of Claude Martin, who's a silk merchant. Now, her husband ended up dying two years later, leaving her with a six-month-old child. Um, the little Claude, who would later become a Benedictine priest. Mm-hmm. So in 1627, after having a profound experience of the Trinity, um, Jesus took her, um, Jesus takes her for his spouse and unites her to him in an expressible manner. Uh, she lived these experiences amidst a very busy life. Um, in 1631, after repeated invitations from God, she decided freely and willingly to enter the Ursuline Order, mm-hmm. and that was in Tours, France where she took upon herself the name Mary of the Incarnation. Okay. So that's the English for Marie de l'Incarnation. Yep. Um, there, God continued to prepare her for the missionary vocation that he had chosen for her. So we look to the year 1634. In another dream, uh, Marie sees a very difficult place that she will recognize upon her arrival in Quebec City and perceives that the Blessed Virgin Mary and her son Jesus seem to be calling her to a mission that she does not know yet. Mm-hmm. So she meets with some Jesuits who are missionaries in New France. Um, finally, January 25th, 1639, she decides to leave her monastery for good in Tours and goes to Quebec City. Mm. So from 1639 to 1672, she lived in her monastery in Quebec City, which was at the heart of the new Canadian Church. 
it was at that time in um, in Quebec history, in Canadian history, that the church really started to come alive. And we know, Deacon Pedro, that Quebec is kind of the stepping stone to the Catholic Church in North America. Yep. So to protect uh, herself and the Ursuline sisters from the cold, we know that the sisters slept in chests. Hmm. So it's like a type of coffin. So the work that she carried out um, in the service of mission was very simple. Um, she taught young girls the foundation of the Catholic faith. Uh, among other things, she began to study the languages of the country, mm -hmm. and she wrote many dictionaries. She wrote hmm. many catechisms, and a few lives of the saints in three different Indian languages. Wow. At night, at candlelight, she wrote thousands of letters to her son, to her friends, and many of her benefactors and supporters back in France. Mm -hmm. So in 1654, she answered the insistent demands of her son, now a Benedictine priest, as I said, and sent him the story of her life. She is known, as I said, as the mother of the Canadian Church. She died in Quebec City on April the 30th, 1672, and was beatified by Pope John Paul II on April the 22nd, 1980. So mm -hmm. that's about 30, going almost 35 years now. Yeah. So um, we look to Blessed Mary of the Incarnation. Um, we ask her for intercession. We hope that she'll inspire um, Quebecers, and she'll inspire Canadians to come back to uh, the faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a beautiful story, and yeah. I'm hoping... You know, who's hoping this year or even next year that Canada will have two brand new saints? Yeah, Canadian saints, yeah. canonized. Um, thank you very much. So that's Blessed Marie de l'Incarnation. Pray for us. You cannot rip away Marie of the of Mary of the Incarnation from Quebec. No, you can't. So All as right. much as Quebec wants to kind of like secularize its society, you cannot, you absolutely cannot erase history. Mm -hmm. so okay. We pray to her. Yes, absolutely. Good. Thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew Santos is a youth minister at St. Justin Martyr Parish in Markham, Ontario, and he is our saint expert. I'm Krista. I'm Lisa. And I'm Teresa Hansen. And, and we're Seraphim, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look for Deacon Pedro, and you can follow me on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now it's time for... What our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, Happy New Year, I guess. Happy Thank New you. Year. Yes, <laughs> welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. So mm. what, what did you learn from your kids this week, this month, these last two months? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it was a, uh, I'm learning a new lesson from a new kid. Yes. Um, we are expecting our fourth child this coming August. Nice. And so that's a whole bunch of new lessons for me to be learning and sharing with you. So... Um, uh -huh. this, uh, today, I'll just tell you a story about what my inside baby is teaching me already, um, and that is just understanding the purpose of suffering um, and offering <laughs> up that suffering. This hasn't been my most favorite pregnancy <laughs> really? of all four. This has been probably the hardest just in terms of the fatigue and headaches and backaches, and it feels like I have the flu all the time, and I was kind of hoping that it was going to go away soon, but it still is persisting, so I, um, yeah, just just kind of pushing through that, mm -hmm. um, and I think both David and myself were wondering at some point, just because of how quickly I was growing this child, and also mm -hmm. because of my symptoms, we're like, we've had a boy, we've had, well, we had two boys, we've had a girl, so we know kind of what each of those pregnancies are like. This one seems out of nowhere. We've never experienced pregnancy like this before. 
And so it was David who kept implying, maybe you're having twins. (laughs) Oh, boy, wouldn't that be something? (laughs) It would be an exciting blessing. Yes, lots of change. (laughs) And very overwhelming. But anyway, so so his saying that, and then also I was finding myself, um, when I was praying for my baby, I would sometimes catch myself saying, uh, these babies instead of this baby. And, so, and then I would stop myself and like, what? Where is this coming from? And, and I was beginning to wonder if, you know, this was God trying to tell us something. And um, so I just went with it and, <laughs> and kept using those words. Um, then we have had it since had an ultrasound, and there is just one baby in there, which is wonderful, okay. and the baby is healthy, and we're very excited. Yes. But it did did leave me questioning what I was saying and what I was praying about, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also just this, what I felt like was an increase in suffering in this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, until I went back to my prayer journal and I was looking back over the months and realized that, or m- reminded myself that right after we learned that we were pregnant, I was very intentional in um, saying that I wanted this pregnancy to be for not just the health and growth of my baby, but for many babies, for the babies who were so desired but hadn't been conceived yet, for the babies who maybe weren't wanted and and therefore needed love, um, that I was just, any suffering that I was feeling, I really wanted to be able to offer that up for someone else um, and their babies. Mm. And so it made me realize when I was praying all these weeks for these babies, it didn't necessarily mean these babies within my womb. It meant this baby in my womb, but wow. also these other babies that are being carried by other women. And uh, it just, yeah, it's, um, it, it talks about, to me anyway, it says something about the power of prayer and the power of suffering and the power of sacrifice. And that I'm really honored that I can carry this baby um, and also use it as a time for intense prayer. Um, that's that's beautiful. I'm 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 almost speechless, but it's radio, so I can't be speechless. <laughs> um, that that's beautiful, Jillian. I thank you for sharing that. I, I, I lots lots to think about. Not I mean, for me, I've never been pregnant, <laughs> um, but for all, if we have any pregnant, you know, mothers listening, what what an interesting, beautiful idea that you've shared. I hope so, and I hope yeah. that. You know, there's part of me that's thinking, I just would like to feel better. But on the other hand, you know, if if this is what God is asking of me, then I will gladly do it so that someone who so desperately wants to have a child, that this prayer might Amen. help get them there, whatever Amen. it is, whatever whatever I can do. Amen. <laughs> and we know, I know you and I know, we know lots of couples who, who have cannot conceive. And mm-hmm. I know that's a very common thing. Um, thank you, Jillian. Thank you for sharing this. This is beautiful. Thank you, Pedro. And, and congratulations. I think Thank I already you. said that, but congratulations. <laughs> Thanks very much. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, and Inside Baby. Hi, this is Stephen Reese from Longelous, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Send us your comments via Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1, or email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org. Now, as I said last time, Sheridan is having to take a little break as she is working on a few other Salt and Light TV assignments, but we won't take a break from events. So today, 
Are you a woman? And have you ever heard of Behold Catholic Women's Ministries? I am now joined by Rosemarie Rudolph, Executive Director of Behold Women's Ministries, so she can tell us all about it. Rosemarie, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much, Deacon. I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. No, yes. So what is Behold Catholic Women's Ministries? (laughs) Behold Catholic Women's Ministries is something that got started um, back in 2010 in a church basement um, uh, where we gathered together 100 women because we wanted to answer uh, some questions for some newly married women about how they should live their lives. And uh, we weren't even going to do a second conference, and the, uh, the ladies talked us into doing a second one. And um, then we had 300 women at the next one and wow. um, 600 women at the next <laughs> one, and then we're going to have six, maybe 700 at uh, this one uh, in 2014. So it's just kind of a ministry that's grown. Um, it's a conference, but we also have a blog, um, and we, there's a lot of things that have grown from that. Our right. leaders have a... a a program that they go through where um, our patron is Archbishop Sheen, of course, who's, yes. you know, from Peoria. <laughs> okay, that's right, which is where you are in, in Illinois. Yes, yes. And so we uh, studied his book, uh, Victory Over Vice, and we um, had the priests of our diocese present um, um, chapters, different chapters of the book um, uh, to us. And so it, it's also that. Um, and okay. um, and then uh, for the first time, we're going to have, uh, because we're bringing in a male speaker, uh-huh. uh, Jeremy Rivera this time, uh-huh. we're going to have a men's talk the night before. Um, and uh, uh, it's all sort of in the spirit of uh, Pope Francis. Uh, um, Jeremy, uh, his talk for the men is called Bruised, Broken, and Dirty. Um, uh-huh. You know, of course, from the the, the quote, uh, I prefer a church that is bruised, hurting, and dirty, yes. because it's been out on the streets rather than, you know, um, confined and clinging to its own security. So um, it's kind of that spirit that Jeremy is, you know, um, a new way that I feel like Pope Francis is calling us to evangelize. Mm-hmm. Um, but the conference um, is, I'm really excited about this year's conference. Um, it seeks together the kingdom, and it takes its theme from Evangelii Nunzianti, a quote from that, those who sincerely accept the good news through the power of this acceptance and of shared faith gather together in Jesus' name in order to seek together the kingdom, build it up, and live it. Right. And we have Mother Assumpta Long coming, and she's going to speak um, um, Upon This Rock is her talk, Uh and she's going to talk about you know, why we're called to be faithful to the teachings of the Church. Yeah, she's from the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, which who we know really well. Um, and then you mentioned Jeremy Rivera from Focus. Yes, yes, he's from Focus. Catholic and, University students. Um, yeah, who else? He, he's going to talk about being loved back into uh-huh. the truth. Yeah, um, nice. Um, and then uh, we have Mary Rice Hassan and Deirdre Folly. And um, so basically, it's like Mother, the first talk is Mother Assumpta is going to talk about kind of like why we're called to be faithful. And then Jeremy is going to talk about, okay, I kind of fell away, and then I was loved back by uh, an archbishop, Archbishop Chapu, when yeah. he was in Denver. Okay. And then the two ladies are going to talk about Mary uh, Hassan and Deirdre Folly. They're going to talk about, okay, here's what it looks like. Here are the things that in our Catholic lives, it's a, a mother of eight, Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then a mother, uh, a new, newly married uh, mother with a new baby. And okay. they're going to talk about how the Catholic faith practically is lived out in their lives. Okay. And uh, is it 
am I understanding then that it's not just for women this conference? Well, typically it is. Um, it usually it's it, it's uh, it's really for women. We're just having this men's talk the night before because. You know, we're having this male speakers, and some of the husbands were saying, "Hey, we would love to hear it." <laughs> so yeah, we want to know what the women are doing. Um, <laughs> and, and, and now, is it specifically for people in your diocese in oh, Peoria, no. Illinois? Uh, last conference, we had uh, ladies from twenty-two states. Okay, really. So, so it's it's grown now for people who have no clue. So, South Peoria is that how you pronounce it? Um, Peoria. Peoria. No, it's Peoria. But the, the conference is actually across the river in East Peoria, but it's kind of like the whole Peoria area. And that's a um, diocese, and that's about two hours southwest of Chicago. Uh, about that, maybe yeah. a slightly further, two and a half. Yes. Okay, and then the reference to Fulton Sheen is because he grew up there. Yes, yes. Okay, he was born and grew up there. I see. Yes. Okay, so if people want to register, can they... Because it's next Saturday, March 1st. Yes, they can go to beholdconference.com, and um, they can register there. And there's all kinds of great information on our blog um, about, um, well, about our saints, um, Uh uh, Joan of Arc and... uh, uh, Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. Uh-huh. Uh, Fulton Sheen is our kind of all-time patron, but then we pick some for each conference. We vote on who we're going to have each conference, and those were the two that were voted on um, for this conference. Okay. Um, and um, it just, I, it, I think this is going to be an amazing conference, and Marie Miller is our, per- is, she has is, performed every time. That's great, because she's going to be our featured artist next week. Oh, so we're going to be talk- talking to her uh, just before she goes to the conference. So March 1st, Behold Conference, beholdconference.com. Rosemary, thank you for telling us about it today. Okay, nice to talk to you, Deacon, and God bless you. Thank you. Rosemary Rudolph is the Executive Director of Behold Catholic Women's Ministries. Again, you can go to beholdconference.com if you want to find out more. The conference is next Saturday, March 1st. Coming in our second half hour, author Dorothy Cummings McLean tells us about being Catholic and writing fiction, and we meet Full Armor Band, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Terrorism attacks, immigrants targeted for violence, left-wing protests, political extremism, dark secrets, betrayal, murder. Are these the topics in what you would call a Catholic novel? But they are the themes in Catholic author Dorothy Cummings McLean's new novel, Ceremony of Innocence. And to tell us about her book and about what it means to be a Catholic author, and if there is such a thing as Catholic fiction, I'm now joined by Dorothy Cummings McLean. Dorothy, welcome to the program. Hi, Deacon Pedro. Thank you. So before I ask you, uh, going to all those questions, uh, without giving anything, anything away, what is the book about? Uh, the book is about a Catholic journalist living in Frankfurt, who is uh, living with her boyfriend, who is the nephew of, uh, the great nephew of uh, a German archbishop, um, who is kind of a mess in her personal life and uh, begins uh, to report on uh, ethnic violence in Germany. Okay. (laughs) And something (laughs) happens. Okay, good. So is it, you just said that the boyfriend is the the nephew of an archbishop. Yeah. She's Catholic, the protagonist. Is it a Catholic book? Well, um, if you look at the works of other Catholic novelists, I mean, the greats like Graham Greene and Yves Lenoir, you'll see a lot of stuff about violence, terrorism, people living with their boyfriends or girlfriends, Mm -hmm. uh, general 
trends in society that are at odds with the Catholic faith. So mm-hmm. I would say, yeah. So you would, because, okay, because I'd say, uh, I mean, uh, and, and I don't know, you, you're, you obviously know more about all who these authors are, but even Chesterton, I'd say. Certainly. Yeah, or, you know, Chesterton writing about anarch- bomb-throwing anarchists. Yeah, or, or, or Tolkien writing about hobbits. Absolutely. You know, to say that, so is that a, but can you say that that is a Catholic book? Just because he might have certain themes or because... I well, mean, I'm I just mean, asking. it's apparent to me that Frodo Baggins is a Christ figure. Yes. And okay. in fact, he's got a very sacerdotal character. Okay. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. There are all kinds of arguments to be made that uh, The Lord of the Rings is a, is a deeply Catholic work of Catholic art. W- would you say then that... The cath the, the the for a for a fiction to be considered Catholic fiction does it not need to have a particular intent? Uh, it- I think the intent of the author should be. Uh, this is a presume the, the the author is a Roman Catholic themselves. Uh-huh. Uh, this is a, a Roman Catholic author who is writing f- fr- uh, out of their faith as a Roman Catholic to show uh, God's creation as it is, or as it could be, and to show how God's grace works in a fallen, uh, in a fallen world. Okay, so, see, again, I'm being trying to be very careful not to give anything away in the book, because uh, I want people to get it. But, um, so, uh, in terms of finding themes, or finding characters that are struggling with aspects of their faith, and it's not like we're, you're, but it's not a catechetical... You know, like it's not that kind of a teaching no, certainly not. message in fact, book. I think so to be catechetical in art is death on the art. Yes, so so it's not a message book. Uh, there are messages in it, but I would not call it a message book, no. Okay, so then, okay, so why write about neo-Nazis and violence? Um, because neo-Nazis and violence are actual problems that we deal with today. Um, uh, particularly, uh, <laughs> neo Nazism is actually a rather a minor uh, factor in European politics. Although there is a, a, a uh, what we might call a far right reaction to migration, the migration patterns sweeping Europe. Right. Um, so I was trying to show Europe uh, the uh, tendencies in Europe as they are, and not the sort of romantic Europe we read about in the travel brochures. Right. Now, it's based on real events? Um, Interestingly, when I was studying in Frankfurt, Uh uh, two foreign students, I was a foreign student, and two other foreign students left bombs on a train from Cologne two days after I left Cologne by that train. Wow. And uh, now, fortunately, those bombs didn't go off. Uh, However, I was uh, horrified when I discovered this, not only because... I had been on that train myself, or mm-hmm. one of the trains going through Cologne, but because these were foreign students behaving like this in Germany, uh, wanting to, you know, wanting for religious reasons to kill uh, native Germans, and I that, that made a huge mark on me, as did, of course, nine eleven. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because that's a huge thing. I don't think I'm giving anything away here and saying that that, that the foreign students. So these are not Germans. These nope. are not immigrants who are living in Germany. These are students. Indeed. Who happen to be thinking that they can make a political statement, or for whatever reason? Exactly, a religio-political statement. Sure. A religio-political statement. Yes. And 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 uh, was the case when you were there uh, because Germany was involved in Afghanistan, or uh, they weren't in Iraq? In Iraq, were they? Um, 
were those the reasons? That, um, that I think, yeah, I think they, they mentioned Afghanistan. I think yeah, Afghanistan I was the excuse given. And I, th- yeah, I think that may have been the same excuse given by the uh, Toronto 16, who the same right. summer yeah. uh, were discovered having a plot to kill people in Toronto or yes, Ottawa. that's right. So that summer was really, the summer I was in Germany was quite a tumultuous one in, um, in terms of young student-aged uh, people wanting to, for religio-political reasons, uh, to kill innocent people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is a book... Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that a lot of your readers are in North America. Indeed. But is this a book that's going to appeal more for, for Europeans because it's because they could relate more to, to that? Like, I... Not that I found it... I found that parts of it I could not relate because mm. it was so foreign to me. I, I can think, imagine it, but... but yeah. I think um, students, uh, particularly American students or Canadian students who have done some traveling in Europe, uh-huh. uh, many of the themes will resonate uh, with them. Right. Uh, one of the main characters, Susie, is a University of Toronto student yes. who is basically doing a, uh, an exchange year in Germany. So I think, I think students will, in, in strange ways, identi- either identify with Susie in a way or they will recognize Susie in students they know in their own undergraduate programs. Right, right. Now, um, you, you mentioned, I mean, we've talked about the whole political immigrant situation there, but are you also making uh, commentary on the current moral situation in Germany or Europe? Uh, yes, very morality? much so. I think, uh, sadly, uh, Europe is an, an increasingly um, uh, unmoored from its Christian heritage, its Christian um, uh, foundations. I don't think there is a Europe without Christianity. Uh, mm-hmm. The powers that be in the European Union might disagree with me, but it's uh, absolutely clear that without Christianity, without uh, a real Christian hope, for example, in having a family, yeah, there's not going to be very much of Europe left that we would recognize as being Europe. Right. Hmm. Um, a personal question, and, and <laughs> I suppose you can answer however you want. So there's uh, the way I read it, there are two protagonists. I mean, well... You have your main protagonist, you have Katrina. Yeah, Katrina. Katrina. Yeah. She's the journalist. That's right. And but Susie, in a way, I think is is also a bit of a protagonist. Indeed. Um, something happens to her, so she's a protagonist. So, uh, but you, Dorothy, are a writer journalist who writes for Catholic publications. Are you? I would assume that you're Katrina. <laughs> but are you? Are are you more Susie? Well, that is a very good question. <laughs> That's a very good question. I think uh, I have elements of both Susie and Katrina. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, well, good. No, because um, I was when I was an undergrad, I was uh, I, I was uh, like Susie. I was a student activist. I was highly highly idealistic, uh, willing to make all kinds of sacrifices, and uh, and I knew as as Susie's age, a woman rather like Katrina. Mm-hmm. With uh, a young and handsome boyfriend and a very cynical uh, outlook on the world. Yeah. Now I'm closer. Actually, <laughs> I'm older than Katrina now. Uh, so I hopefully not uh, as cynical. Hmm? Hopefully not as cynical. No, no, I am most definitely not as cynical as Katrina. Yes. Anyway, Dorothy, that's that's all the time we have. But this, uh, thank you for for writing the book and sharing a bit of your experiences through the book and with us today. 
Great. Thank you very much. Um, we actually didn't mention, you know, I'm not going to let you go because we didn't mention because you, you're living in Scotland, right? I live most of the time in Scotland. That's right. Right. And, and, but you're, it, it, for people who are in Toronto, there's going to be a, a, a book launch. A book launch. This and you're going to be there this Monday, the 24th. That's right. The 24th at, at Crooks Books at the University of Toronto yes. at 4.30 in the afternoon. Okay, good. So that's at Crooks at UFT. And uh, but you're also going to be at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in the summer. Absolutely. Uh, doing what? <laughs> um, tap dancing? No, no. <laughs> I'm going to be reading. Uh, oh, good. For yes. My favorite, one of my absolute favorite bookshops in Edinburgh is Blackwell's Bookshop on the North Bridge, and I've been asked to read for them, so I'm going to do that during the Edinburgh Fringe. Okay, that'll be fun. So if anybody's in Edinburgh, they can go check you out. And uh, we've also been told that Pauline Books and Media is carrying your book. Uh, for sure, here in Toronto, I, I, I'm not sure if they have stores in other places in Canada, but I know they have stores all over the U.S. So, thank you. Dorothy Cummings McLean is a Canadian author living in Scotland. She has a column in Canada's The Catholic Register, and her first book was Seraphic Singles. Ceremony of Innocence is published by Ignatius Press. And thanks to Ignatius Press, we're going to be giving away a copy of Ceremony of Innocence. So just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. And we're going to be announcing that winner next week. And here now is our featured group of the week, Full Armor Band with What I Pray About. A summer day in New York City The memory I want to keep in my mind Like a dream case in reality If only you could pause real life Connecticut schoolyard As the chill of death Froze the land Christmas presents Stuck under the tree So many futures Stolen from our hands What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do?
Armor Band with What I Pray About from their album None the Same. Now, Full Armor Band was formed over seven years ago when the band was asked to lead music for a new youth mass in their hometown of Middletown, New York. Now, over time, the band slowly began to be invited to participate in other Christian or Catholic ministry events in their region, and the rest, as they say, is history. There are six members in the band, Douglas Hutchings, Tara Lakeman, Matt Giuliano, Kyle Hankarik, Francis Zelinka, and Brandon Morrison. And to tell us more about their ministry and their music, I am now joined by Douglas Hutchings. Douglas, welcome to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Good to be here. So, I, are you like the group leader? Are you <laughs> just like the, the loudest guy in the group? Yeah, well, I, that's the thing. I, I speak the loudest, and so I've, I'm forced to be the leader. No, um, You get to be you know, the front man. Yeah, we're very much an ensemble when we perform or when we do ministry, but as far as the guy who uh, makes all the logistics happen and uh, yeah. um, writes the songs and stuff, I guess that would be me. Okay, so you do write. Okay, <laughs> I was going to ask you about who writes the music. but So we've heard two of the songs already, but uh, so for people who are maybe tuning in now or who, how would you describe your music? So, you know, it's interesting. We, we obviously um, have a lot of influences um, and for me as a songwriter, early like folk music, or uh, 70s singer-songwriter, folk rock kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, it's really an influence for, for me. So like Paul Simon and James Taylor, yeah. just some re- you know guys who really know how to write a good song. Yeah. Um, and so with that, you know, we kind of took, you take that singer-songwriter style and we just combine it with some blues and uh, a little bit of a little bit of rock and it's kind of just become our sound. So right. I don't know, it, it seems to work for sure. It is, it does. And it, um, uh, who... So okay, so you say that you you do most of the songwriting or all the songwriting? 
Yeah, most of it. You know, we, it's kind of a collaboration between everybody in the band usually, but it's usually me that, that usually gets the song started. So you'll bring a song and say, hey guys, what do you think? And then everybody... Yeah. Yeah. It's so, exactly right. It's kind of like the body of Christ. You know, we all have uh, a little job and we can all bring something <laughs> to it, you know? So uh, it, you never know. Every song is a little different. How scriptural of you. Um, <laughs> you like that? Uh, what... <laughs> So uh, there's six of you. So uh, can you just break it down? So you got wh- who? Because there's some. I mean, obviously there's guitar- somebody's playing guitar and somebody's playing bass. You got a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Tara, I can tell, sings because she's the Tara, only female. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to say she's my favorite girl in, in the band. She's the favorite girl in the band. Is there a keyboard? Is there what, what else? Is, who else? Yep, yep. I play the keyboard. Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of the three. And and our main, I think, the sound. We try to we do a lot of harmonies. And so myself and. Kyle, the acoustic guitar player, and Tara, yeah. uh, we usually kind of blend and do a three-part harmony sound, and so that's that's kind of the front of the stage and the main um, the main sound and the yeah. ensemble feel for no, sure. That's good. You do you guys do have a, a really nice sound. Um, but you started off as a as a Sunday mass youth a youth mass group. What yeah, was... so it was a church that was kind of you know a typical you know middle of New York Catholic church. You know it, they were a great church, but just needed some energy. You know needed a little little vibrance, and yeah. so. Um, the pastor there just said, you know, we want to start a mass that's like really family friendly was the word, you know. Uh-huh. And so I said, well, that's great. You know, I was a senior in high school at the time, uh-huh. so it was lo- eight years ago, so longer ago than I wish to admit. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I so I said absolutely, I would love to do it. So I got some of my friends together, and we we were very bad. We weren't good players at the time, but uh, we were extremely passionate about you know just bringing you know upbeat music to to the church and and just bringing the Holy Spirit down a little more powerfully. And so. Um, just through many years of doing that and working and working at it, uh, we've become the band. But yeah, it all started as um, down and dirty church ministry. So, but wait, so so you were you were 17 years old, and the pastor approaches you and says, "Hey, I need some some help with the music." And you just happen yeah. to have five other friends who were musicians and who were yeah, Catholic. Yeah, you know, I think I think at that point I was um, I went to the local Catholic high school, and, uh-huh. and so people knew that I was into music. They knew that um, I played piano. They knew that I wrote songs, but yeah. they didn't, most of them didn't know that my dream had always be, been to be in a Christian band, in a band that was able to, really? you know, not only share music, but also share, you know, the love of God through that music. And uh-huh. so, um, you know, I think that the church at least kind of had an idea that I, it would be something I'd be interested in, um, but sure was a lot of... Uh, a lot of faith they put in such a young guy, so and, but, <laughs> I'm so, glad God had my back, because I could have messed that one up pretty easily. So you played, but you had never played in a band? That's right, that's right. And these other five people, had they played in a band? Like, had you ever played together with them, or it was just like a random thing? Not, like, not really. You know, I'll give you a short little anecdote. Um, Kyle, the acoustic guitar player in the band, yeah. was a uh, freshman in high school when he joined, and um, at this point I was a senior in high school, so I was, you know, wow. big man on campus, and he was kind of the little uh, shy freshman that came in. And but you knew him. Story. Um, he tells the story really great, but he, you know, he's... Um, he grew up with a, a disorder called Asperger's syndrome, which is a form of autism. And yes. it's basically been, it's the kind of thing where he isn't, you know, able to make friends as easily as most people, you know, or yeah. connect uh, with people. And so for him, he came into this high school not knowing anybody, and um, he played guitar at one of our school masses. And I just, I said, I, I, I need to be friends with you. I need you in my band. I'm starting this group. And so looking back, it's kind of cool how, you know, God used, you know, Kyle needed somebody to step out and be his friend and help him become a little more social, and, and I needed somebody who was musically talented like him. And so it was amazing how, um, you know, God brought us together. And okay, eight okay. years later, I mean, he's like a different person, you know, yeah, so that's, very interesting. Yeah, okay, so that that is a good story. And so it's the same six people that started eight years ago that are in the band now. More or less, we have we've had a couple changes over the years um, with a guitar player and drummer, but mostly yes, we're mostly the original group. 
Okay, and the name. When did you come up with the name and why that name? So full armor comes from um, Scripture um, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, where he talks about basically putting on the full armor God, uh, full armor of God. And what he's talking about it metaphorically is obviously, you know, the things that we as Christians can use to equip ourselves in this world, um, you know, so taking on faith and, and bringing, you know, uh, Scripture and truth and all these things um, to, 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 to keep ourselves uh, secure and um, armored in this world. You know? Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by you saying that your dream, even as a teenager, was to play in a Christian band. Mm. <laughs> Presumably, <laughs> you, you grew up in a in a Catholic household. You and and, and they were faithful. You know, I did. I did. You know, and, and my, my parents, I always will credit them for being you know very encouraging of all those things. But I certainly didn't grow up in a very you know charismatic um, you know community or Catholic. Church. You know, we went to church every week. My family, it was a very active part of our lives. But it certainly wasn't, you know, we weren't praying in tongues and jumping up and down and all that good stuff. But but I think, um, I don't know, there's something about contemporary music and the new evangelization that just kind of, I don't know, it compelled me. And so, um, you know, I always say that God shows beauty, that shows himself to us in the beauty of the world, you know. And so music is a prime example. And I think, you know, from a young age, I might not have been able to... Um, um, say exactly what it was, identify it. But looking back, I can say, you know, when I would experience music and hear something that moved me, I would see that looking back, it's because that was God showing himself to us, you know. Right. And art is something, is one of the ways he reveals himself. And so, I don't know, I I don't I, I don't know how God led me down the path he has, but he certainly has, and um, it's, it's just been an amazing trip. So what would you say, would you consider yourself a, a ministry Yes, we always say we're a ministry. You know, we always uh, grew up saying, yeah, we're in a band, we're in a band. And, and recently I've said to everybody, you know, like, it's, it doesn't quite describe what we do as just a band. Because, yeah, we play music and we put on concerts and it's fun. But, you know, we go to churches and we'll lead youth retreats. We'll go and we'll just do adoration or we'll do mass. And so the reason I say it's a ministry really is because um, whatever church we go to, whatever community we go to, we always say, what are your needs specifically? You know, we're here mm-hmm. to serve you. And so... Um, Tell us what we can do. Tell us what you need, and we're here to you know make it happen. And so that's why I call it a ministry first and foremost. Right. And do you still play at mass? We do. We do. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we we get to play. Obviously, you know, when we travel, we get to play at a lot of different masses. But the original mass, the four thirty mass that we started way back when, uh, yep, uh, we still get to do that. So it's kind of right. cool. cool. At least when we're not traveling. Now, tell me about the the names of these two albums. So you have your first album with some the same. And now you have none the same. Okay, so sort of. Well, our last album that came out was called None the Same. Oh, okay. Um, and then the most recent album we just came out with was was what's called a live album, and it just means it was a, a live concert, and that was called Some the Same. Okay. And so the play, uh, yeah. So the, it was just a play on words mainly because on the live album we used a few of the same songs that were on None the Same, but we did them live. So we we thought we were clever and we called the album None the Same, and then Some the Same. Right, so the second one makes sense, but why None the Same to start for your first album? Right, okay, so None the Same, the reason for that is um, the opening line of the CD comes from a song called Let Me So Love, which I think you played earlier, Uh uh, and it's based on the prayer of St. Francis, but the opening line is so many faces, but none the same. And it's basically saying, you know, there's um, God's made us all so different, you know, none of us are the same, yet somehow we all come together together under under him, you know, and we're able to create one beautiful sound for him, you know what I mean? Okay. And so, although we're all so different, we can all unify under um, Christ's love and and be a church that makes one beautiful noise 
for him. I get it. Good. Now, you guys are busy. We're almost out of time, but I do want to mention, so you're going to be in Connecticut on March 15th, in Pennsylvania, March 16th. You're back in, oh, sorry, in New Jersey on the 23rd of March. Mm -hmm. And then you're back in New York State for April 13th, the 25th and 26th. So all that information is on your website? Yeah, so if you go to fullarmorband.com, uh, you can see our tour dates, and you can check out music and read all about the band and all that fun stuff. And yeah, like you said, we have a ton of uh, shows coming up in the region. So okay, good. To see people there. Good. So we're going to leave it there. Thank you, Douglas. It's great uh, finally connecting with you and, yes. and meeting the band. <laughs> and uh, you guys are not too far away from uh, Ontario here in Canada, so maybe we'll get you up here. We'll have to visit someday. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless, Pedro. That was Douglas Hutchings of Full Armor Band. You can learn more about the band at fullarmorband.com. That's Armor, the American spelling, A-R-M-O-R band. But we're going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And here they are with uh, another song from that same album, Lead Me to the Light. Hiding away from the light of day Darkness has overcome every part of me Time moved on And I had succumbed to the loneliness that sets in when you're on your own Then you came and caught me by surprise Lighting out a real light into my life So lead me to the light Show me to the truth And I'll show it back to you listening to Lead Me to the Light by Full Armor Band from their album None the Same and that will take us to the end of the program next week we're giving away a copy of Full Armor's None the Same so we'll have two winners one for the album and one for Dorothy McLean's book Ceremony of Innocence all you have to do is go to our website saltandlighttv.org slash radio look for where it says stay connected for a chance to win weekly prizes enter your name and email address for a chance to win also you can go and like us on Facebook and write nice things on our page and I'm sure that will definitely get you a prize remember that if you tuned in late you can listen to this program and all Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio that's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music and devotion on our Salt and Light Radio playlists. Check them out. We now have four playlists, contemporary music, easy listening, world music, and children's music. So go check them out. Salt and Light Radio playlists are possible thanks to the generous support of artists like Full Armor Band. So go to our website and learn how you can listen to online and on the go on your mobile device, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And remember to look for us on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. Don't confuse us with Salt and Light Radio out of Boise, Indiana. And you can also find me on Facebook. Look for Deacon Pedro and my Twitter handle is at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your support and for your donations. This program is available for free thanks to your financial support. So thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Lighting down a ray of light into my life. So lead me to the light. Show me to the truth, and I'll show it back to you.